Well, as it always happens, uh, we are very prescient in our releases and that we released our Return of the Living Dead 3 episode on the same day it was announced that they are making more yeah. Return of the Living Dead movies. The word finally on us. came out, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, I know, it, you could not, it, it's just crazy. I mean, I feel like that movie... Uh, I don't remember if I mentioned it on air last record, but like I, that movie's esteem is growing in a way that I love to see, of course, right? Um, I went and saw a screening of it at a local place, and people uh, that same night after the screening, not even in the same area, wished me happy return to Living Dead Day because of my shirt. So just like strangers are saying that to me, like the screening Mm -hmm. I saw was sold out. People were pumped for it, like got a huge response. Um, And I feel like merch for that series has really kind of taken off. Uh, It's become a very like merchandised movie, actually. And uh, I there is like a website dedicated to Return of the Dead merch that I once I once donated to their Kickstarter for something oh, just to produce t-shirts cool. or something. Yeah. And I remember that website at one point talking about the people making the merch own the rights to the franchise right now. So they must have bought it a couple years ago. They're sort of cranking out t-shirts, you know, hats, uh, you know, everything you think of bumper stickers like uh, you know, they sell those weird like metal posters. I've seen some of those. Like they What I get want is a tar man like the little Garfield that you you suction onto oh, your yeah. car window. Oh, so it's just great. hanging out in there. Yeah. Hey, a tip for fighting me in Los Angeles traffic. I do have a tar man bumper sticker <laughs> on on my car. Ooh. So uh, if you see his fun. his face uh, on a car in front of you, that's that's me. Honk and say hello. You gently just rammed it back in my car. I'll know you're a fan. <laughs> Um, just a, a slight nudge yeah a little love tap you know so uh yeah i forget they, that the people who own the rights they frequently get the cast to like sign things like i always see them sound like you know lena quigley signed poster like is always offered up i get emails about that stuff and at one point i remember them talking about they wanted to develop a video game and of course they wanted to develop new movies and so i've been waiting for this mm, announcement for a, a long time and it oof, finally happened a video game would be yeah. very interesting uh, do you think they're going to do it like the David Gordon Green Halloween, where we're just going to basically be like, oh, this first one is the only one that really exists, and yeah. everything else is bullshit? Well, I don't know. I think that I think the release said it would expand the world, whatever that means. So I right. could, I was trying to I was thinking, I was asking myself the same question, and I couldn't tell if that means we're taking everything that has been established from the other movies and running with it, or we're just expanding that first movie. I really don't know. What I really what I, what I would want my dream would be the end of that first movie, you know, the nuke goes off, you get the call from the from the colonel, like talking to somebody about the results of it, right? And he mentions, oh hey, nothing to worry about, just some acid rain. The president is going to visit Louisville tomorrow to address the situation, and that implies the president gets attacked by zombies. I want to see zombie president. I want like that's that's what I want. I don't know if I'm saying I want a period piece <laughs> set in the 80s, but Zombie President with the rules of Return of Living Dead sounds really fun, you know? Having, yeah, the Secret Service versus zombies, that could yeah. be fun. And I, I feel like a nice little I feel like it sets itself touch. up for some from for more political satire like the first one has, you know? Like that oh, to me. Yeah, really. It, that always seemed to me like ugh. the a good direction for like a direct sequel. 
I would well, want. I, I think you could also what get what kind of president. That's <laughs> that's the question. Do we want do we want a Biden or do we want a Trump esque? I don't know, man. I, I it's a good question. I feel like to to stay modern, you got to have a Biden. I feel like I mean, mm. I think it doesn't matter. You could you could you could be that kind of guy and be like, they're all fucking zombies, man. Oh, um, like you know. Well, <laughs> now I just imagine like Biden like slowly trying to outrun the slow zombies. <laughs> He's just barely like getting ahead of them. Yeah. Meanwhile, He's got like, his walker. Oh you know, man. Meanwhile, super fit, muscular Trump is easily outpacing them. <laughs> That's how like Ben Garrison would draw this. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not to get too political, you know. But yeah. <laughs> but it's happening, and I'm excited for it. And hopefully, it comes out. And hopefully, it's not a prey or Evil Dead Rise situation where like I, I get I get hyped and then get intensely let down. Not for you, but well, mm. uh, this this I think would this movie would be made for you, although it doesn't seem like it was. Uh, it hit the mark, right? Yeah, give me talking about this week's movie. Let's get into it. Yes, yeah. I, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So hey, let's uh, first welcome everybody to the weekly podcast massacre, the podcast where each month we take on a new theme a new subgenre of horror movies and do a deep dive on four select uh, movies within that genre. My name is Greg Titles, from Los yeah. Angeles. Uh, last, my last week as Greg with a three instead of an E because this is, well, I'll introduce yourself first and I'll talk about what month it is. Hello, uh, I am Michael from Portland. Everyone calls me Murphy. Yeah, I feel rusty. It's been, it's been a little bit of time since our last record. And, uh, yeah, we got to shake it out. Let's yeah, because get, get those, those silly, juices flowing. You know. Yeah, different time Ooh. than we usually record to. Yeah, uh, and maybe it's just this movie. Maybe I, maybe I'm cursed. I don't know. Maybe some fucking ancient witch somewhere was uh, released from her urn. You know, and it's just causing it actually did general chaos. Prevent our regularly scheduled recording. Oh it, yeah, like, there was a, something happening in my apartment, and we could not record, and it's it's thrown everything off. Yeah, it has to have been mother of of mother of beeps tears. Yeah, hey, <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyway, we're this month. Uh, this is three lie twenty twenty three because it is the we're going into the third year of our podcast. Uh, we're talking about horror part threes, and um, we are finishing out just like we did last year with a, a legendary Italian director's you know, a uh, sequel to a very successful franchise. Um, <laughs> last Was year... this very successful franchise? I feel uh, like yeah. if there's a 20-something, you know, year gap between two and three, it might not have been... It was a gap for Ghostbusters, you know, gap for Star Wars. Like, these gaps happen with successful Five, franchises, well, you know. that's Well, I guess so. Um, but I, I think it was more successful, like in a cult sense you're right i will amend that oh yeah. sure but um no we're so we're talking about dario argento's mother of tears colon the third mother which is the third movie in his series that includes suspiria and inferno um so going into this this is your first time seeing any of these right you'd watch all these the first time I am actually pretty sure I had seen Suspiria. A lot of it was uh, very recognizable. And I remembered the newer Suspiria much more vividly. Because honestly, there's not a, there's not like tons of uh, 
like through lines through these movies. I guess it's just the witches, but like yeah. it's just kind of like, oh, things are happening. This is the oh. most connected, I would say. This one, like, more way True. more so than yes. Inferno. Yeah, the most cohesive. Yes, right. but it doesn't have the vibes that these other two movies have. It has a. So vibe. it was my first time watching Inferno, yeah. and yes, the first time watching the. I mean, early two thousands vibe. Yes, yes. Even though this is in the late two thousands, I believe. Yeah, yeah, two thousand seven. Yeah. Um, so we, this is our first time talking about Dario Argento, who is a horror movie legend, uh, Italian director, you know, a very prolific giallo director, probably the most well-known, uh, giallo director, uh, was, you know, a student of Mario Bava, another Italian stalwart who kind of was, you know, responsible for making the earliest giallos, but it was really Dario that kind of set the standard for what those were. And how they uh, kind of operated, and I think that I think his maybe were the most successful internationally. Things like *Bird of the Crystal Plumage*, um, probably you know, *Cat and uh, Nine Tails*. Deep Red is Deep a, Red, a big one. Yeah, that's yeah. maybe my favorite, but it's hard to pick. Um, but uh, *Suspiria* was a movie he made in the late seventies that is not as giallo. It is an Italian supernatural horror film, which a lot of angry nerds will tell you is different than a giallo. Uh, even though it contains a few of the same hallmarks, you know, it's got the mystery, it's got the gore, it's got the young, beautiful woman in danger, which is a like a big factor in these. Um, but, you know, Suspiria, because it directly involves witchcraft and uh, things outside of reality, like it kind of steps outside the giallo format. There's no black gloved killer going around, you know, picking people off like a slasher movie. Um, and then he followed it up in 1980, I believe, with Inferno, which was a sort of sequel. Uh, Suspiria introduces the idea that there are three witches called the Three Mothers that live in uh, Germany, New York, and Rome. And so Suspiria was Germany, Inferno was the New York witch, and then Mother of Tears in 2007 finally brought it to a close by introducing the third Thank witch in Rome. God. Yeah. Um, it's done. There's a weird fact about this, though. There's technically another unofficial sequel to this franchise that was made in Italy in the 80s. But we'll oh, talk no. about that later. Yeah. Before we get into that. Okay. Um, before we talk about that, we should give recommendations. Uh, we want to talk about some non-horror things we've been watching or viewing, reading, playing, listening to. Uh, why don't you start us yeah. off, Mirth? Uh, well, I'll give a quick one, and then I figured we would talk a little bit about another film that we have both recently seen. Yeah. Uh, I saw Past Lives, and it's, uh, it's a really touching movie. It's this Korean-American drama about, um, childhood sweethearts who grow apart as one family moves away. They reconnect when the internet is a big thing. Zoom calls are a, like, a plot point of the movie, and then 12 years after that as well, they, they meet up in New York and uh, she's married and he's kind of wondering what their relationship was and meant and uh, what he's, you know, looking for in himself. And it was just a really touching uh, story. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure Greta Lee is going to have a big Oscar season. That That's one I'm very interested in. I've been really bad about seeing anything outside of like blockbusters, you know? 
Um, mm-hmm. I feel like that, I feel like the blockbusters give me the most FOMO, and so things like Past Lives and BlackBerry kind of like slip through my cracks a little more easily. And so. I enjoyed both of those uh, immensely. Yeah. So I, I yeah, I would recommend if you can, if it's still playing anywhere out there, to to really see it. But yeah, there are just so many blockbusters out <laughs> currently. Like trying to keep up every week. Yeah, it's it's insane. And like uh, you know, uh, talk about the the other movie we're gonna talk about together. Like I had to spring for IMAX in that one, and then here comes Oppenheimer. Oh, sure. A week later, and it's like, well, fuck, I got to do it again. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it's it costs you, man. You got to reach into that pocketbook to see these in the best possible, you know, way. So. That's why the Regal Pass is great. It's twenty two bucks yeah. a month, and then if you want to see an IMAX, it's only like six fifty. I got to do something on like top that. of that. Yeah. Um. So my recommendations, got Look, I've been trying to get back into TV. That's also been hurting my film watching lately. Uh, I've been always watching X Files a little bit. I kind of put that on pause to start watching two simultaneous Star Trek shows. And now I put that on pause a little bit because I started the show Warrior on Max. Um, I don't know if you know anything about the show Warrior. It sounds familiar. So if you ever, uh, the premise of it is interesting and it has a, it has a really fascinating origin. So way back in the 60s, um, Bruce Lee, when he was a television star, pitched a show about um, a traveling kung fu martial artist in the old west um i don't know the exact details of his pitch but he uh his daughter and other people claim that the network took that idea basically said no because they didn't want to they didn't think they could have a show with an asian lead and then retooled that idea into the show kung fu with david carradine Um, oh sure yeah yeah and then, sadly, Bruce blew up after that, you know, becoming a movie star and an international powerhouse, and quickly died. So he never got his chance to, like, helm his own TV show. Um, well, you know, decades later, uh, the guy that made the show Banshee on Cinemax decides to adapt Bruce Lee's writing and pitch for that show into the show Warrior which involves a Chinese immigrant coming to San Francisco in like the late 1800s post-Civil War era. And it details like the struggle of like an immigrant coming to America, being ostracized, being exploited, joining a Chinese uh, gang, and um, getting into lots and lots of kung fu fights. Uh, it's pretty fun. It kind of has that thing that I feel like Game of Thrones really pioneered where your first episode, it's filled to the brim with violence and nudity, like seemingly like okay. for no reason to kind of hook you in. Um, and then it kind of levels out and you get into the politics of things and like, you know, the character drama. But it's pretty fun. Really, some really fucked up fun gore in it, like shockingly. And then lots of fucking like it's just kind of one of those shows. Uh, but it's exciting. It's fun. Uh, I am liking All right. it. The premise had me, but you know, you, you add in <laughs> fucking and yeah, it, it kind of it kind of like like a Deadwood. Does yeah, it have that I would, kind of vibe. Yes, it does oh, have the man. Deadwood vibe because it's again late eighteen hundreds. So like everyone's swearing, yeah. like you know, there's yeah, uh, lots of lots of funny humor in it, and then kung fu fights. Like your main character will like fuck ten people up at once. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm enjoying that. Although my track record with TV, as established before, is not great. So. Yeah, you'll fall off very quickly. Yeah. Uh, but then we both saw Dead Reckoning, part one. Yeah. Oh, we also and saw Indiana Jones, I... I think, since we last recorded. But oh. yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
I'd, I'd rather talk about <laughs> Tom Cruise. Uh, sorry, Harrison. But yeah. uh, I thought it was really good. I would probably rank it uh, maybe about the same as Ghost Protocol and the first one. I think yeah. Dead Reckoning and then Fallout are just like so much more. And I don't know if it's just those are contained stories versus this one's open-endedness. But I wasn't... Yeah. I wasn't as thrilled as some of those other movies. I was entertained yeah. immensely. I never, I was never bored, even at two hours, 43 minutes. It I, like, was so well paced. I was really intrigued. Like, and, and I think that's, it, it was kind of interesting to watch this. And, you know, the going in, you're just like, okay, what insane stunts what crazy action is there going to be? And it was a little like disorienting when I realized, Oh, this is going more for like a paranoid spy thriller feel at times, you know, like something right. much closer to the first one, which that first one's a great balance of like really good action. And then like genuine, I said it before I was intrigued. It's like spy intrigue. That's what that first one like really gets right. And that's why that one's so good. And this one was like, aiming for that feel again there's a lot of callbacks to the first one a care one character Kitch particular return dude oh. and he is one of the he's one of the one of the two my two mvps for the movie like him and Haley atwell to me like really made the movie um she was good yeah. i think um what, what's her name vanessa kirby vanessa kirby so that rolls into it phenomenal yeah job. that that is a and that's a funny thing i and i can't speak to that sequence too much but it rolls into like it weirdly, yeah. Like Vanessa Kirby, she she was awesome. Haley Atwell was great. Haley Atwell was playing a character that we haven't really seen in these movies before that I really loved. Mm-hmm. And somebody compared it to like, um, like a Hitchcock sort of intrigue with her, you know, of like a person in over okay. their head caught up in this kind of like whirlwind yeah, like adventure, right. um, which I really liked. I I loved that feeling. So yeah, it wasn't. I didn't. I think it, the other Mission Impossible movies do the action stunt thing better, but this one did have its own flavor. I really enjoyed. Yeah, the story, yeah, is phenomenal. I really love Gabriel. I think that I thought that actor did yeah. such a great job. Every scene, like he was selling that confidence that you have with with all that knowledge behind you. I, I think um, I think I like the concept to him more than like the whole execution of the character. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. but I did like. Okay, her. yeah. It's hard to say, like, I disliked anything in the movie. Although, okay, look, there's a couple of things. We'll talk a little bit about that movie and Dial of Destiny and then how they kind of relate to Mother of Tears a bit. Talking about vibes, say, right? Talking about... I thought Dead Reckoning, yeah, was a little bit too silly compared to all the other movies. Yeah, there's good comedy in it. I would say, I, There's a lot of good comedy. Yes. But some silliness, yeah. I, I agree. But I, I talking about... Look, all of these movies, all three of these, Dead Reckoning, Dial Destiny, Mother of Tears, you wouldn't normally compare Mother of Tears to those two, but they're all <laughs> they're all legacy sequels. They're all You're like right. a franchise, you know, that has drastically changed since their first incarnation, right? And in a way, all three of them are attempting to to like keep up with the times. And Dead Reckoning and uh Dial Destiny like bring that into the story right one more successfully than the other but all three of these movies i i think i have the same issue with all three uh it's just that you have that digital touch to them and it's ironic with dead reckoning 
maybe even intentional mm-hmm. dead reckoning. But I feel like there's a part of the climax of Mission Impossible where I was just seeing the digital seams. You know what I mean? You're like, okay, oh, you, yes, you're mixing some yes. some good practical stuff in here, but with some green screen CGI kind of objects flying at them. You know, uh, again, I don't want to give anything away, but I, I saw an IMAX. Maybe it was just more apparent on that giant screen, but I was seeing something a little more digital to Mission Impossible. Compared to Fallout, which I feel like does digital stuff, but it is mixed in so well, well, you know? Yes. I will say, when I was rewatching Fallout and with Brittany, like, there is the, um, as we were talking before, that motorcycle Paris scene. I actually watched it twice. And there are definitely times where it's like, okay, well, all of these cars around him are CGI. Right, right. But it still looks really good. Something about it is, is yeah, blended better. Just, yeah. It's it's hard when like yeah not to give any spoilers but like the train stuff is always like okay this yeah. is a bit harder right to to make real I mean um, and I that's been surprised. true since the first one though the train stuff in the first one was pretty dated too yeah <laughs> yeah um, I was surprised when I looked this one up Mother of Tears that it it was shot on thirty five millimeter I know shockingly yeah but, I think it's just like digital color correction or something. It looks horrible, right? Yeah. It looks like, right, it was shot on digital. Um, but then you talk about all of the practical effects compared to, Ooh, or no, yeah. the digital effects compared to the practicals from before. Right. Um, uh, and then Dial of Destiny, biggest issue with it. I, I left I left positive, you know, kind of being like, mm-hmm. all right, not terrible, not a, a catastrophe. Right. not a, not. It wasn't a waste of my time. Not a complete catastrophe. I think there are parts of that movie that are catastrophic. Uh, the 25-minute fucking prologue is insane and absolutely overstated. That needs to be cut down. Yeah. But right. the, my biggest issue with, with Dial of Destiny is just that you don't, feel like you're really in these spaces it's it's such it's such a powerful digital look and the sheen on it is so digital that even when you do mm-hmm. have like oh hey actually that kind of looked like a cool stunt like everything around the stunt is so fake looking and so glossy and just kind of ugly and it's the same thing with mother of tears it's like you know what? i kind of dig the zaniness of, of mother of tears but it's just got this fucking ugly look to it that I just don't like, you know? Um, and it's the same thing with Dial of Destiny. <laughs> like, it's it's kind of strange. Um, so let, let's let's dig in more. Let's let's talk more about Mother of Tears. Um, came out in 2007. There was a big fanfare leading up to it. Dario Argento, horror master, returning to this franchise that kind of like really cemented him as one of the one of the greats of Italian cinema. And um, it premiered at Cannes. There was a lot of hubbub around it coming out, you know? Uh, like, it went through a Can, lot of rewrites. Really? Wow. Yes, it premiered at Cannes. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's not entirely true. I was reading that apparently they only sh- showed 20 minutes of it at Cannes because it wasn't done yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of... It seems like there was a lot of trouble by, like, oh. getting this one off the ground. And then some trouble in pre-production that kind of resulted in the movie we got. Um, which Dario stands by. Dario says he likes it a lot, so you know he's happy with it. Um, but it stars. <laughs> is it just Asia Argento, or is it Asia? I believe I, I, so. I I don't know. We'll just say Asia. His daughter, uh, Asia Argento, as Sarah Mandy. 
You got Christian Solomeno as Detective Enzo Marchi, and I'm I look, I'm not Italian as much as I my standout as much as I want to be. He's 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 good. He's very handsome. Yeah. Um, Adam James as Michael Pierce. Uh, we got Morin Atias as Mother Lecrim. Mother of Tears. I'm not going to say that the name because it's too complicated for me. Uh, Valeria Cavalli as Marta. Philippe Leroy as Guglielmo de Witt. Daria Nicolotti, uh, wife and mother to <laughs> Dario and oh, okay. Asia, respectively. Yeah. Um, oh, I. Wow, that's funny. And then we have major. I'm, I'm assuming that was the mom. Yes. Right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. And frequent collaborator with Dario. She wrote a draft of this in the 80s. She wrote the original version of what would have been Mother of Tears. Um, she was a frequent screenwriter collaborator with, I think she wrote Inferno uh, for Dario. Okay. Um, and then uh, rounding at the cast, though, we have returning champion Udo Kier. Always so happy to see him. And his section of the movie is the absolute standout for this one. Like probably, uh, yeah. Pretty, I, I would say his scene is kind of great. I kind of loved it. Um, did you catch how he is credited in the titles? Uh, no. It's so usually you want to walk out for how they they credit someone in the titles. At times, it is written in their contract. You must blank me. So there's usually <laughs> with, and then and with right. is. The higher esteemed, and I think and is the, like, essential. Yes. Um, he got credited and with Udo Kier. He got both. <laughs> I love it, man. Yes. With, look, with how low yep. budget this movie seems to be, like, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, he knocked some, some you know, a couple zeros off his, off his quote to, like, to get that credit. That could be. Yeah. Well, he is, uh, you know, worked with yeah. Argento before. He, he he's was been in, in this franchise. He's in a, in, in a similar a very role. tiny yeah. role. Right. right. Um, that's the weird thing. It's like, he's not in this movie a whole lot. And they kind of do the... He's playing one of three characters that are extremely similar in this. Uh, you know, yeah. like these exposition... These older guys that are just exposition dumps. It happens like three times. Uh, I mean, maybe only yeah, uh, one for it's each very act. Strange. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, sequel to or for Suspira each mother and Inferno. Let's. It, that's true. There you go. Um, the three fathers. You know him and the two other guys. Mm-hmm. So what? What did you think? You're not sure if you had seen Suspiria before. You hadn't seen Inferno. Where do you fall on this franchise? Like, I've seen your letterbox scores, but I want you kind of expand on your thoughts about them. I mean, I'm glad it's over. I, <laughs> oh, I, so Inferno is one that I thought was so beautiful. The lighting and colors with the score, it was kind of like a transcending experience where you feel that you're watching, you're not exactly watching a movie and it's more than a music video, but yeah. I, I'm, I can't, I don't take anything away from it. Except maybe the woman diving into the pool. Oh my in the god! Basement. Yeah, that stuff is so good. And um, the 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 weird, beautiful young lady in that music class, like holding a cat. Okay, so interesting like, about I- that. In, in Inferno, that woman with the cat heavily implied to be the mother of tears because that's in a classroom in oh. Rome, 
and they're learning about okay. they're 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 in a class in Rome learning about witches, sort of. And then the guy, the brother, right? It's it's the brother of the mm-hmm. of the girl. He sees this woman staring him down. He gets this kind of creepy feeling. That's implied to be Mother of Tears. And originally, okay. Argento approached that actress to return in this movie, but she was like, "No, I'm too old. Like, and I'm retired. So, no, fuck off." Mm. Um, but yeah, I think I saw Inferno first, and it's funny the way you described it. Like, that's usually how people describe Suspiria. It, it is more of an experience than an actual movie. And I, I think that Suspiria works the best out of all of them. Like, it does have the most, like... Agreed. Yeah, it has the most... It's the best combination between having a plot you can follow and, like, being genuinely creepy and an interesting time. You know what I mean? Like, yes. I, I really like it. I feel like any, each time I watch Suspiria, I get sucked into it. And it's like, maybe you're not taking away, like, a deep story. But you are, like... I don't know, you feel like you had a very interesting dream. And there's, like, sort of implications running throughout it that I think make you feel like you took in something greater than the sum of its parts, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. like No, totally. Yeah. Which is why I really... And I watched that before. I, I really wanted to watch the remake of Suspiria. And I think that is such a great elevation of what it was and right. it was taking the bones but actually making something different yeah and with like the, a, the like the turn at the end with dakota johnson and you're like oh that's actually really interesting and fucking you know tilda swinton you yeah. put her in a movie and like she's gonna knock it out of the park it kind of and it i mean and i mean i didn't mean this as a pun until i started saying it but i guess it is a pun it totally <laughs> recolors how you kind of see suspiria which is i mean and it's a pun yeah. because they totally recolor that movie to be gray and beige as opposed to like the you know the kind of vibrant like primary colors of the original but like the fact that the remake like takes on this story about fascism and you know mm. like the dance academy's like position and like place in the world like how it thrived during World War Two, like that is something they do talk about in in Suspiria. It's very offhand. It's something Udo Kier says, right? That like, hey, it got established in, like in this time, and it remained strong throughout like all of these years and throughout the war. And when you when you see the remake and they expand on how, yep, it was there in Nazi Germany, you know what I mean? And like it maintained its position as like a powerful like place you kind of see what that really like what that first movie is really implying it's just kind of making it more explicit you know and it insinuates how much you know power these witches have is that even as the world is crumbling around you you're still gonna hold your own corner of the world and like they're benefiting from the chaos being caused by you know what i mean like yeah yeah. So I, I feel like the, the remake of Suspiria is a really good companion piece to that original. Like they they did they, they complement each other in such an f- interesting way. Inferno to me, like I think that was the first one I saw. And I agree, a beautiful movie. I love the score to that one. It's not the it's not Goblin who I feel like is famous mostly for their Suspiria score, but it's still a great score. I think with Inferno, if I remember correctly a lot of it is directed by Mario Bava because Dario got sick during production. And so there's a lot of sequences where Bava came in and directed instead. And I feel like that one, that's why that one kind of doesn't measure up. It's a little more disjointed because you got two directors kind of like doing their own thing. Um, And the story really kind of fell by the wayside. 
barely remember anything of plot. I just know that, like, again, it's witches, people are studying music. Yeah. You know, it kind of happened. I I didn't watch that one twice like I forced myself to with Mother of Tears. (laughs) And... Having a rewatch, like you, you get a little bit more right. of of the through line, but it is a rough time. It's a yeah. Uh, here's the thing, I feel like with Dario Argento, uh, I've seen a lot. Of, I've seen a lot of his early stuff. Um, he has a period. He hits a point that it seems like almost everybody agrees he just kind of turns sour. You know, he falls mm. apart. He was released a lot of movies like post 1990 into the 2000s and 2010s, and I never heard a good thing about basically any of them. I heard okay things it's, about his most recent one, Dark Glasses. Um, I, I did hear some stuff about that, yeah, yeah. and I kind of would like to check it out. Um, it, it seems kind of interesting, but it is basically the sick boy theory in effect. Like, you know, you have it. And then you lose it, and you never get it again. Yeah. Like, that is just, throughout all things, Sean Connery, Lou Reed. Like they, <laughs> they talk about that continuously, and it, it does seem... George Lucas? That was this case. Right. Uh, Spielberg. No, hold on. I didn't say that. No, no, no. no, no. That's, that's, <laughs> not, that's not correct. Um, so, I was always hesitant to check out his more recent work, just because like, I'm a, such a big fan of things like, uh, you know... Uh, Suspiria, Inferno, Crystal Plumage, uh, Deep Red, Phenomena. I love Phenomena. That's a that's a fucking batshit movie. Um, I like. Is opera. that the one with uh, uh, Jennifer Jennifer Connelly? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I yeah. kind of hear that's I saw like that his with, last um, good Joe one. Bond. Yeah, that one's okay. really fun. Um, so I was always hesitant to check these out, but here's the thing: I do agree. Mother of Tears is easily the worst thing in this in that I've seen from him so far. I still kind of liked it. I kind of don't hate it. I feel like there is some stuff to, to mm. enjoy about it. It's undeniably kind of shitty, but it's still got like something to it. It still has a little bit of Dario charm to it. Um, he He's such a fascinating guy. Like the, the thing I, I think I do like about him. I'm going to say it up front. Asia is not a good actress. I don't think she's very good. Right. I've never no. really seen her in a, in a film where I'm like blown away or impressed really that much. I don't think she's god awful, but like, yeah, she's yeah. strikingly beautiful, right? But not uh, great at the bard. Yes, but I I like that Dario champions her so much. I maybe don't like the way he shoots her sometimes, <laughs> but because he's her oh, dad. You mean like the way he shoots her in the shower, nude in the shower? Yeah. Um, so when when Argento was starting out, his father, I can't remember his father's name, but his father was involved in the Italian film industry, produced a lot of his movies. His wife, Daria, wrote a lot of his movies and acted in a lot of them, right? She's the act, she's the, the female lead in Deep Red, screenwriter of Inferno. I think she's in Inferno, too. Okay. And then she's in yeah. this movie. I, I just like that filmmaking is a family business for him and that he gets them involved mm-hmm. and that they are his collaborators. And I think that just adds like a nice charm to his movies, even as they get gross and disgusting and violent. Or is it like the Jim Henson thing of, you know, someone asking one of the kids like, oh, wasn't it great to have Jim Henson as your father? And they go, no, I never <laughs> saw him. And that's why well, the children got involved in yeah. the puppetry is like, well, if I want to see my father, I have to 
meet him on his grounds. It, and could, like, it could be something that's like not that. the way it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, it could be something like that. I do know Asia Argento is something of a controversial figure. I think she's both been victim and perpetrator of some heinous stuff, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, stuff I, I'm not. I don't former feel... partner to uh, Anthony Bourdain, who's you know, yeah, sadly not with us anymore. Stuff I don't feel equipped to talk about. Uh, you know, her kind of controversies. <laughs> so we're just gonna you know not talk about it. But I, I think that this movie, while it does feel like Dario coming back to put a cap on a trilogy and maybe a, some movies that didn't need a cap because they're so disconnected, but it is nice to like have some quote unquote resolution because the three mothers get talked about so much in Suspiria and Inferno. So it's just cool to see like what the third one is like. And I feel like it does capture a little bit of that vibe of you have this person like investigating you know this kind of like witch space and like each witch feels like they have different methods and different like you know ways that they kill or cause chaos like Suspiria is very like the deaths are somewhat like indirect you know what I mean like you have almost accidental yes or like just the 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 window ceiling like collapsing you have the dog killing the guy yeah um exactly like there's just something interesting about all three of them and i feel like you do get the personality of each witch like the 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 one in inferno is called the mother of pain and that one to me does seem the most painful (laughs) you know like it is this seems especially cruel in that one this one's the mother of tears and so you get like when Marta and her lover are being killed, you have like, you know, oh, we're going to kill your lover in front of you and then lick the tears off your face as you're experiencing the I, agony. I don't know. know. That's a little too literal for me. But yeah, okay. I kind of liked it, though. Um, uh. To get more into the plot of this one, um, we uh, have Asia Ardento playing Sarah Mandy. She's a student at an art museum in Rome. And... Uh, her museum gets sent a an old urn full of some objects that is dug up uh, outside of a church. It was sealed uh, with a coffin. She gets it. It's sent to her boyfriend, Michael, who runs the museum, but he's not there. Her it's s- a little weird. You're yes. studying at the museum and dating the director. I mean, a very European. A suspect. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, in Europe, yeah. that doesn't raise any eyebrows at all. Yeah. Uh, her friend, Giselle is a moron and was like oh, well michael's not here let's just open this anyway and ignore the letter um come on wouldn't you like just i guess like, hey come on i don't know wait natural shit doesn't exist wait a day and just see it with the guy it's been sent to you're opening his mail that's a federal crime in these parts <laughs> you know i don't know about italy but well, um yeah so they don't know what mussolini put into effect <laughs> Uh, they open it up. It's got some like talismans inside, and most importantly, it has a mystic robe, um, like a tunic. A tunic. Call it yes. Yeah. Uh, her friend Giselle cuts herself and bleeds on it. I feel like that's important to this. Um, she's Maybe like, that's the thing. You know, like you, these things happen, and you really have no idea, like the yeah. consequences or or the weight of the right. actions. Yeah. Sarah steps away to get a uh, Aramaic dictionary. When she comes back, mm-hmm. she finds Giselle being completely ravaged and torn apart by demons and a screeching baboon. 
kind of amazing. It yeah. Is, she gets disemboweled and then strangled with her own intestines after they've, like, fucked up her mouth. Oh, like yeah. That. And those are really good practical effects. Great practical used. effects. Especially the gutting shot, like, the shot of, like, her f- belly flesh being split open is fucked. I imagine it's this really is what up. was shown at con. Like, yes. this is probably... I think, yeah. I think you're then, right, yeah. And then the rest of it's all, like, CGI bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> There's some other good practical stuff in it, but yes. Um, so she sees this, the, the screeching hell monkey, like a baboon, sees her and starts yelling. She starts getting chased. I, I love the monkey. I love monkeys. I think they're great animals. I do too. And yeah. this is such a nice I touch. thought it was, it would have been really funny because she like takes off her shoes to run silently. Mm-hmm. And then when the monkey finds them, he's like, hey, miss, you forgot your shoes. Please come back. I just want to <laughs> give you your footwear um it does make me think too like there's a little bit about uh so that first movie or the other two yeah the first movie uh dario's talked about how Suspiria is influenced by like alice and not alice in wonder well a little bit alice in wonderland but primarily like snow white it's like it's like a fairy mm. tale version it's yeah that makes a young totally a young woman trapped in this kind of supernatural space poisoned continuously yes, exactly yeah yeah I don't know if he has, like, a direct influence for Inferno the same way. And that one's kind of interesting that it's a young man that is, like, the main character. Oh, kind of. There's a few main characters. But this one, we're back to a young woman. And with the monkey and everything, I kind of thought it's maybe a Wizard of Oz thing. There's a couple other Oz things going on here. You know? Okay. So you got the witch with her monkey minion. You have a guy with a giant green head at one point. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, behind a a, a, cur- a curtain glass yes. thing. Yeah, very just, emerald looking. Yeah, she doesn't really have a wow. toto, sadly. You know. Mm. Yeah, uh, and I, I can't think of a cowardly lion or Tin Man or anything like that. You know, I don't. I don't know. But anyway, uh, she is trapped behind some locked doors, and suddenly she hears a voice telling her to run, and the doors just magically open, and she gets away. Uh, the police come to investigate. I do kind of love their reaction, which is like a monkey, like their heavy Italian accents. <laughs> a monkey. They don't believe. They don't believe her, of course. Uh, Michael shows up and he's like, "Hey, well, that's just crazy shit. Come back to my place." They fuck. Uh, we learn he's got a son named Paul. You know that that she's mm-hmm. like on good that terms with. Yeah. She wants to serve hot chocolate too. And, yes, you know, but it she burns. Can serve hot chocolate to me. That's fine. <laughs> Um, so, uh, the next day, Michael's like, hey, I'm gonna go see the Monsignor, the guy that sent me the urn, you know, because we're gonna kind of get to the bottom of what is going on here. The stuff inside of it is missing, so they know it's connected somehow. Uh, we, uh, get that Sarah doesn't believe in the occult. She's like, no, you gotta see everything to believe it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we're, scientists. we're scientists. That's kind of a theme yeah. of this that doesn't really <laughs> could go anywhere. Uh, She's fixated on that voice she heard, though. She's like, I did hear something strange. I can't really explain that. Uh, we cut to an underground layer where we see some very large breasts, bef- you know, before the tunic goes over them. It's really explicit and pervily shot, I will say. In a way that I feel is not really done in the other two. I feel like even well, that's though... That's what I was going to say. Yeah. You don't get that kind of graphic nudity in either of the other ones. Yeah. Which, like, you would think I would be like, hey, Mother of Cheers, my favorite movie all time should have won an oscar and i'm like no i like i don't it, care like yeah. they're nice it's fine but 
It just it feels, doesn't it feels, serve any purpose. It feels really cheap and exploitative, you know, with like with a cheap look. I don't know, something about it just feels like pervy, you know? It's it's probably, hard to That's probably what it is. Yeah. Um, she's chanting to her followers, and then after that, we cut to a woman on a bridge pushing a stroller. She kind of just, like, smiles all big, picks up her baby, and chucks the fucking thing over the side. You see the baby Pretty hit the awesome. ledge before it goes into the water. It's kind of great. It's, but then she realizes what she did and starts screaming. Cuts. Mm-hmm. It's one of those great cuts where, like, you can see a person holding a real baby, yes. like, over the bridge. And then it cuts to a fake baby, like, there's a really, hitting something and going into the water. There's a really right? great thunk sound effect when it hits the side of the bridge, too. <laughs> it's very funny. We then see, like, other people just, like, fighting and brawling in the streets. We see a woman randomly stab mm-hmm. a man. Um, we see the police beating people up. Like, it's it, it just, you get the sense that, like, there's chaos exploding all over Rome. Uh, something about it, though. Also, where, like, all the crazy ladies are coming into the airport. That, that's just in just a moment, yeah. Um, yeah. But basically, we just get the sense that chaos is exploding all over Rome. But something about the way it's shot doesn't convey this well. I feel like in each shot, there's not a lot of extras around. And so you just like, it just all feels very isolated and like kind of like, yeah. you know, faked. I don't know. It isn't, it doesn't communicate it very well. Um, This is what Michael goes to see the Monsignor who's fallen into a coma the day after they excavated the urn. Uh, In the 1800s, we get a story from the guy's assistant though. And he talks about how in the 1800s, a priest dug up that urn. Uh, wolves came out of the woods and tore up recently buried bodies. While he was investigating, the priest started, like, his health started failing, and death and destruction followed him anywhere he went. We get this in, in like, an animated flashback. A lot of, like, you know, kind of comic book-esque drawings. And of, like, yeah, like a Bible drawing. Yes. Almost. I yeah. like the art, and I feel like it should be cool, but, again, something about it just feels really cheap when it's done this way. It- Again, just exposition dump, and it's yeah. but it's not interesting in any way. Like, yeah, right. I should also mention the music is done by Claudio Simonetti, who is a he was the keyboardist for Goblin, uh, and worked with with uh, Dario Argento well, and a lot fun. of other Italian yeah. directors a lot. So fantastic musician. I think his score is a little mixed here. I think there's some great pieces of score in this, but it's kind of a lot of dramatic piano too. It doesn't quite fit, you know. Yeah. Nothing was standing out, just the, because, like, the electronic sounds of Suspiria right. and Inferno. Yeah. Like, a keyboard is what I want, and not I, not this but I, I feel like it hoity-toity-ness. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it fits into our discussion on our previous episodes this month, though, about, like, what do you want from a part three? Like, you can kind of make these decisions. Mm-hmm. Like, so, Suspiria is known for its electronic score, its vibrant color palette, right that kind of dreaminess and so you're coming back to it and you know inferno is kind of in a lot of the same vein you're coming back to it this many years later it's like if you go back to like having this kind of primary color electronic score thing are you just repeating yourself are you bringing anything new to the table by just going back to what worked before or do you want to like establish that you've grown and evolved as a filmmaker so i can kind of see why you wouldn't immediately jump back to like hey we're going you know, neon colors and electronic synthesizer score. I kind of get it, but you do miss it from the franchise. Right. As I've established, it's the vibe of all these movies. And yeah. I think those are so, such an important feature of those movies. Right. I feel like Just the like story the, yeah, doesn't that neon stand out. Yeah, neon pink and blue. Yeah. 
Right, yeah. The story doesn't stand out as different, so, like, why is the aesthetic so different, if that makes sense? Like, it just kind of feels like a change right. just to stand out from the rest of them, but it doesn't bring anything by doing it this way. Uh, except that it just establish, it hey, we're modern now. a little now. lazy. Kind of. Like, you don't, it, you don't have to do as much work to get that lighting right. anywhere you want to do it. And it, um, pr- it probably would have been a very big, nice swing to try to make it look like these old movies yeah like to it, even it shot in 2007 but to have like a an 80s feel to it right uh you know i think this is the same year or maybe the year before or year after this is when um the devil comes out and really nails that 70s vibe so it is possible on this yeah. time you know to get that look and aesthetic right but dario just didn't want to or didn't have the funds or something i don't know so uh, I have I'm talking about the score here because I do have a note that I do like the score though as Michael leaves this meeting and does see a witch staring him down. I think there's two women staring at him, and the score does get a little creepy and kind of synthy here. Um, and then yeah, I think this is when we see the witches coming off the plane, a bunch of girl boss witches from around the globe, like just cackling, getting in people's faces, waggling their fingers at people. You know, but like, like their group is like keeps getting bigger as they're oh, moving yeah. through the airport. Like it's one like like four yeah. of them, and then like four more join, and they see two more, and it's just like it you is know, pushing people's luggage off of their trolleys <laughs> and all that kind. It of, is so kind cartoony and like over the top that I kind of love it. They're just kind of walking around, going, Ooh, <laughs> like as they're walking through the airport. <laughs> like it's it's very silly. <laughs> So many bizarre styles too. Like you, you think modern day witch, yeah, and it's like okay, yeah, I guess so. That I makes mean, sense. There's not a way to describe it. There's a lot of goth girl bosses. You know, they're all wearing a lot of makeup and they all got dark hair and you know, like uh, red eyeliner and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I do like the look for a lot of them. I think they have really good style, actually. Like and this, it's a, it's kind of fun. I don't mind that part. Uh, <laughs> it's very silly um we see more chaos there's random men like sexually assaulting a woman in an alley that's very unnecessary uh sarah seems to like wake up being disturbed by all the violence in the world that's going on she gets up and looks at some photos of her mother and it's i think it's a lot of actual photos of daria nicolodi with a young asia argenta which is a nice touch it's kind of sweet very sweet yes, yes. uh we then have we kind of have these moments of like she's walking through Michael's apartment. It's like it's like a one nice one shot as she's going around looking for him, calling his name. You know, like it's a long take of exploring his apartment, but it's kind of it's too dark to really see anything. Like it's similar to times in Suspiria where you have Jessica Harper, like you know, making her way through the mm. academy, and it's there's really nothing happening except she's carrying like a needle. And is like frightened out of her mind as like this intense music is playing. Just it doesn't work here though. It's too dark and not stylized, and there's just nothing happening to give you any kind of suspense, you know. But she finds right. Michael. Like it's it's supposed to be a vibe, and it's right. not pulling it off. It's just boring. Yeah. Uh. So she's going through her apartment. She finds Michael. He's like, I think they killed Paul. He starts freaking out. I do think Michael. He's a. I think he's a good actor. I think I like this scene a lot because it's like totally he's different fine. than how it he is, was earlier. It is crazy that like he's sitting on his child's bed and there is writing done on the yeah, baseboard in blood. of the yeah. bed and like weird symbols. And then there's a lot of blood on the curtain. Right. He's like the babysitter left for two minutes 
and this is what happened. But I like his freak out here. It's kind of scary because he's a he's a little he's kind of comforting when you see him earlier. You know, he's, he's calming her down after her seeing the demons kill her friend, and he's like, "Hey, you know, I have this guy I can talk to about this. We'll figure this out." And he's kind of like he's this comforting presence, and then suddenly he's freaking out. He's like, "They want to keep me quiet," and he's like, kind of mm-hmm. going off the rails. I, I think this is a good scene. Um, so basically, he's saying he's going to go see Father Johannes who is an occult expert and an exorcist who should be able to help him out. Um, <laughs> yeah, this, then we, I think this is where the, the witches get off according to my notes, but she's doing some, Sarah does some research. She sees a lot of artwork of like, you know, Oh, three fates, three muses, you know, there's like a, mo- a motif quote, of three. Why are there always three? Right. Which is interesting. And I think this is something like I, I was some literature class I took once and we were talking about the importance and like the recurring motif of three and everything and all kinds of storytelling and myths mm-hmm. and everything. You get the Holy Trinity, you know, Father, three, Son, Holy Ghost. Yeah. yeah. Even like the three act film structure, the human brain just likes the number three. I think that it's just like something about that is just helps us remember things. It's memorable and it's like easy to like keep in your mind that these three things, you know, the first um, prime number. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's just like it does have some importance to to human storytelling, and and it. I do like kind of pointing it out in this. Um, Michael calls Sarah for help. He says he's being followed, uh, so she goes to get on a train to meet him. Uh, she gets starts getting pursued by by both detectives and like witches are following her in the train station. I, I think there's a little bit of tension to this kind of like chase. Weirdly, there's just a, like in Dead Reckoning. I was just gonna one, say, have yeah, a very excellent train sequence. Yes, I kind of like this chase a little bit. I think it's, it's kind of fun. Um, it's kind of you know a paranoid thriller sort of thing going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she gets cornered in a bookstore basically, and she hears a voice again telling her, "Hey, concentrate, and they won't see you." The detective comes in. He looks around for her, sees nothing. <laughs> She's invisible. She comes out of the invisibility it's with a so shitty effect. Yeah, bad. It's so mm-hmm. bad. Um, it, and again, it's a little bit like, hey, you got this kind of good witch whispering to you about your power or telling you your powers, like in Wizard of that, Oz. Yes, yes, you know? that's true. That's true. Uh, I want to take a quick break here just yeah. because I watched this on Tubi. So I saw a lot of advertisements that I kind of want to get into right now. Sure. Uh, first one, Life360 which is like an app you put on your phone to be able to track your children <laughs> and what they're doing and where they're going. I thought that is, was very fun. Is your child being pursued by girl boss goth witches, you know? <laughs> you can find, find out, out with, today with, with Live 360. Yeah. Uh Pepto-Bismol, which oh, I'm nice. a, a big, you know, proponent of. Yes. Yeah, I love it. Love the stuff. Can't can't put it down. The World Series of Poker app. <laughs> it was a very extended commercial about that app. Fantastic. Uh, Peloton, you know, which, like, yeah, I'm going to do. Um, I got a Marshalls commercial in Spanish for I some think, reason. I, I think I get that one, too. I also watched it on Tubi. I got that as well. Yeah. I get one about dishwashing, <laughs> about, like, hey, run your dishwasher more than you think, you you know. Like, it actually oh, yeah, saves yeah. water. I've seen that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then eHarmony, which was, like... Barking up the wrong tree, guys. It's already <laughs> taken. Yeah, come on. All right. What do you think? So uh, she gets on a train. Um, 
I really like this scene. This is fun. Uh, a Japanese witch follows her on. I think the Japanese witch is great. I think it's a fun performance. I really like she's her She's got a look. good look. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she's got kind of like a sort of, you know, um, like a geisha sort of makeup a little bit, but kind of its own modern twist on it. Uh, like a she, techno-punk geisha. Yes. She chokes a guy so hard his eyeballs start bleeding, which is kind of nice. Uh, what he's actually he's the detect he's one of the detectives following her. Uh, she corners Sarah in the bathroom, figures out she th- she's there. Sarah smashes her fucking face in with the door. You have a really nice shot of a dummy being crushed by the door and the eyeball popping out, which is a, it's eye, really eye good. Eye comes stuff. out a little bit. Yeah, it's great. And then it cuts to you see some brain. On oh the yeah, floor, which is just little speckles of pink, which was really yes. nice touch. Yeah, great stuff. Good, good practical effects. Yeah, and and, and I feel like and, we're gonna get. More into the digital ones. At, at, yeah, at this point in the movie, like I'm really kind of enjoying this. Like the whole train sequence, the chase, like the chase to the station, and then this ending and capping it off with this, some really great gore like that. I'm like, man, this is kind of like this is really singing right now, you know? Uh, the detectives come in. They think Sarah Mandy did it, and one of the detectives points out how stupid this is. She's like, hey, she's maybe 110 pounds. And like um, <laughs> our detective De Silva, God rest his soul, was a fucking gorilla. You know, I love the way he says that. Uh, and he was armed, so he's pointing out like, "Hey, you guys are stupid for thinking she did this." Um, Sarah makes it to Father Johannes, and again, I'm liking this stuff. Like she's walking to the church courtyard. She sees nuns acting very strangely, and there's just kind of like chaos going on. If any extra you see, they're kind of like moaning out crying and you know in it seemed to be in pain or something this uh, this part's really fun we get yeah. you who's like wonderful he comes in he's so stressed yes and he needs 20 drops of whatever's in that bottle oh yeah yeah in his water 20 and drops yes he's sick but he's like but i need to fight right like he's all He's really adamant that he has to like put an end to whatever's happening, and just like well, he says, usually I have one exorcism request (laughs) a month, and he's like, "Look how many I have right now." That shot is so funny. All the extras been like, "Ah!" Like their arms raised up, crying out for him. That shot is kind of it's weirdly hilarious. Yeah, just like the overacting of every extra is kind of great. Uh, (laughs) So, just like Suspiria, he gives a big exposition dump. He says the Mother of Tears was the most cruel and the most beautiful of the three. He says that long long ago, Sarah's mother actually fought the Mother of Tears, and uh, or the Mother of Sighs, and weakened her, but died, was killed. Her and her husband uh, were both killed. Um, Sarah was told it was a car accident, but nope, actually it was murdered by witches. Uh, he then says that Susie Banyan managed to kill... Uh, the mother of size eventually. So we get a nice, like, a direct reference to Suspiria there, which is cool. Um, the witches aim to make Rome fall again to usher in the second age of witches. Every car, every plane, every train brings in more. Uh, which is very funny. I pictured, like, witches coming in, like, Robert De Niro in Cape Fear. Just, like, every single car <laughs> attached, strapped to the bottom of a witch. right. Yeah. Some um, of them are taking the Greyhound. <laughs> Some of them are coming by fairy. Oh, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Father Johannes is like, hey, I got a book. I got a book that explains more. I'm going to go get it from my study. 
he goes and he sees he's got a, a few assistant women it seems like mm-hmm. and one of them has taken a cleaver and completely butchered another in his room it's a pretty sickening sight when he like opens it's it up and like sees it over the her bed child right like uh, yes i think so see her she yeah. has like a baby in her arms and right then the next thing you see is the bait like the baby is yes that's right up. <laughs> yeah she cuts up. udo's throat yeah great and throat then... cut does some like uh karate chops with a butcher blade onto his face that that is pretty gnarly stuff it's pretty yeah. pretty good um it made me think of the italian classic bay of blood which has a really fantastic hatchet chop to the face um so yeah and then she gets up and says mother i feel pain and slits her own throat I, great sequence again really good stuff here. i feel like for a good 15 20 minutes this movie is working for me um, Sarah and Marta get chased out by all of these crazy people, but they get into a car and get away. This is where the movie then immediately starts kind of sucking ass again, because like you kind of right. think like, okay, it's on now. Like you know, they're gonna get chased by people. They they're under like under the gun. They're being actively pursued. It's clear the witches like know that they're on their trail, kind of you know. Right. Asia is like trying to use her phone, and Marta goes, "No, they can right. track you." Yes. Where do you want to go? Oh, take me to my apartment. It's like, I come back to my place. Like, or, and she's like, not... no, right. I'm going to go back. And it's like, well, you're splitting up. Yeah. No, I feel like you guys are both like in danger now. But no, they kind of just go on. She's trying to find Michael. Um, we Sarah... see a very bad fire effect. Yes. The first of the very bad fire effects. They're burning the churches. Right. Uh, Sarah goes back to her apartment. She goes to a door, and but she knows that someone's inside. So she leaves. A very bad CGI, like, person comes out of the door so she contacts marta oh, again. right yeah yeah she goes to marta's place finally and marta just went home to her lover her girlfriend helga maybe wife i don't quite know but um she's like okay hey let me let me show you something you've inherited powers from your mother you can see the dead like and and i have these powers to communicate with them too she blows the magic Crazy. dust, and you see a bunch of ghosts. I kind of like this idea, but it's very cheesy. You know, she's like, Rome is 2,700 years old, and we're on five layers of graves. So, of course, there's ghosts everywhere. You have the ability to to speak with them. You have gifts stronger but than mine. It, it, it's like, okay, it's happening. Yeah. And then it's almost like her mom is just kind of walking through and then being like, oh, you're here, too. And it's funny, a really meeting you here. It's a really awful effect when her mother <laughs> shows up. It's a shitty force ghost. It feels like it's out of like you know like those nineties like CD ROM FMV games. Mm-hmm. You know, like Wing Commander. It's like that level of special effects. <laughs> it's really bad. And so basically Daria is just like, you know, you know, I'm here with you, be strong. And she's like, Mommy and Daria and Asia starts acting very childish when she sees her. It's very cringy. Um, Marta tells her of yet another occult expert <laughs> that can help her out, that has something to to to, uh, to tell her. Um, An alchemist. Yes. We have a silly jump scare when, like, a, a shitty demon pops up to spook Sarah out of her dream. Uh, but this is where the baboon shows up. There was one up. of these earlier, too. Yeah. So we didn't even say, like, the opening is that priest father months whatever monsignor yeah like yeah the monsignor actually like digging up the grave and they're like oh hey let me get a photo right and they're like 
you zoom in on the actual lens of the camera and there's a little demon that pops up for half a second and screams yeah it's very corny within the first like three minutes you're like right. okay uh the little monkey makes its return thankfully it starts screeching yes um and a big ass like fucking brute of a bald man comes in and starts fucking shit up uh he slaps around marta and and helga her girlfriend and uh you know, Dar or uh, Asia gets away. The guy stays behind to brutally murder the both of them. Uh, he stabs uh, Marta a few times, takes out little forked like thing, and stabs Helga in the eyes, which is really fucking brutal. Um, he then takes a spear out of like a case or something, and he look. It's pretty fucked up to do this to a lesbian character, I guess. It just feels. Is this, you know, problematic? No, this must be afterwards. Right, yeah. Where they do, uh, so it's this bald guy, and Asia calls him on the phone, like, trying to talk to Marta. Right. That's after she gets stabbed in, they... in the crotch, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because he, do he does the weird, like, phone, um, uh, the yell. what, what yes. are they called? Freaking? Yeah. Do you, know, do you know about freaking? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've yeah. I've seen uh, war games. Yeah. Right. Okay. Don't they, yeah. Don't they yeah. freak in war games or Phineas freak they, is what they, they do, call they do some freaking in war games. Yeah. It's what they call uh, Lucius uh, Phineas freak in in Mission Impossible. Yeah. Um, yeah. He screams into the phone and it's a very bad digital effect, like widen his mouth, <laughs> and then the phone yeah. like the phone like explodes on the other side. Yeah pretty horrible but so as he's like he stabs marta in the crotch again kind of fucked up to do to a lesbian character but you know it's a horror movie so it's gonna be cruel i guess and this is where uh mother of tears shows up i like her costume and not just because she's got one breast exposed she's got like a hood on you know and like mm -hmm. I, it just looks it does look ancient and cool you know it's like an ancient roman inspired outfit um, and she's just like, hey, where's Sarah? And he's like, I'm sorry, she got away. I do feel they do a good job with all the followers, like, crying out Mater, M-A-T-E-R, all the time. And, like, it does build up the Mother of Tears in kind of a fun way, I would say. And But she, yeah, she licks the tears off of Marta's face as she's dying. Uh, like you said, very on the nose. A little on the nose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, she we, we get goes to... goes back to Michael's place, right? Yeah. Yet again, I think, yes. Um, he's there. He's cold. He's got his coat on and his scarf wrapped around his neck. Right. He's kind of a walking corpse. He, he seems a little bit like, uh, is it, who's the girlfriend's name? Julie in Return of the Living Dead 3, you know? Like, oh, right. He's, he's right. got like that he's kind of sickly, pale look to him. Still yeah. trying to light a cigarette. Yeah. Right. He says he thinks Paul is dead. Um, he He's his throat is revealed to be cut and he's like possessed or like a follower of mother of tears. Now, you know, he starts like, uh, coming after her. She splashes him with alcohol and then lights him on fire. Kind of cool. But then the Which fire effect is terrible. Established earlier that she was like, it's cold. Let's light a fire. And yes. so she does the little like incendiary on the wood. Right. And it was, it's a very like call out like, oh, okay. So this is, this is going to come back. Right. You he specifically chases, have an insert shot. Yeah. He's on fire. He chases him through a basement while he's still burning. And this is where her mother appears as a shitty force ghost again. 
and it, drags her to him to hell like she, that's pretty much she like shoots away I, I don't know how to explain it it's so funny though it's so bad it, she just kind of like zoom off into like a hell portal that just appears right. it does remind never me never be seen again it reminds me of season three of twin peaks you remember when like when gordon like finds that weird portal and he's kind of like sticks, oh, right. he like sticks his hands up and it's like doing something with it and I can't mm-hmm. explain why it works really well in Twin Peaks, even though it looks just as bad. There's something about the badness right. of the digital effects in that show that make it better. I don't know how to describe it though. Is it just I? Is it? Am I just jerking? See of it. It's also it's, just like I the mean, out of placeness be. of it. Maybe. Am I just right. giving David because Lynch a pass? To, I don't know. It's supposed to be surreal. Well, I think that is intentional. He they had the money. I mean, they were arguing about it for a very long time. They had the money. If they really wanted to do a spectacular special effect, they could have gotten the budget to do so. But I think he understands that it's it's going to be otherworldly, right? If it it's not trying to look kind of cheap, yeah, right, badly. Like that's fine. We can just like shake the camera at Kyle MacLachlan, and he's falling through eternity. And then, there are, and then there are moments of good effects, like when the fireman, like, releases the golden orb from his mouth and stuff. Like, that stuff looks fantastic. Right. So, like, you're right. There, there are some times where he does, like, do it well. So He knows yeah. where to spend the money. And it, exactly. But it, it feels like with this one, it's like, that's just the best they could do. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I mean, we, this is not a United States production, right? right? This is a... This is an Italian film. So, yeah, after seeing uh, her mother, like, shot into hell in a shitty Photoshop effect, she decides to get nude and take a shower. And Dario films it very close, you know? All right. Yep. Uh, <laughs> we get a pretty hilarious fake news report. It's like, they're calling it the second fall of Rome. Um, you know, it all started with the murder of uh, this architecture or this like archaeologist woman at this museum. You get the cop again; he's on yeah. the news thing, right? Yeah, that's fine. Exactly. Is she a suspect? If you no see comment. Her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, Dude, call the police. <laughs> uh, she goes to see Guglielmo Dewitt, who, as soon as she walks in, he sprays her in the face with some weird magic perfume thing that like stuns her. I want to take one step back because I actually think this was a really good like exchange is you meet the the alchemist assistant yeah yeah and he answers the door and she's like i'd like to meet him he's like who should i say is calling and she says like my name wouldn't mean anything to him right but he kind of knows her already anyway sure but i just love that like of that's a good line going to see someone and it's like my name isn't going to mean anything it should because she is on the news (laughs) <laughs> and we learn out like they do know who she is, but it's yeah. just like I love that line and that that exchange of it. Uh, the magic lens in front of his face looks his head makes it look like he's like a big head character <laughs> in NBA Jam. It's kind of funny. I kind of like right. it. It's kind of Wizard of Oz esque, right? He basically tells kind her, of and it's a similar thing. He's green... telling, yeah, and he's telling her like, "Hey, the magic's inside of you," you know? Yeah, it's a green version of like Modok from yes. Quantum Mania, right? Uh, the only thing that makes me want to see that movie is how bad that looks, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it was interesting, I'll say Just that see, much. Seeing Corey Stoll's face like, blown up like that is so fucking funny, yeah. Right. Uh, what, okay, real quick thing. It's so weird. It's supposed to be 
MCU family thing. They say dick like ten times yep. in reference to Corey Stahl. Like, you were a dick. I'm yeah. not a dick anymore. Like, I, I, I just, kind of I kind of blame off-putting. Shane Black for starting that in Iron Man 3, you know? Where, like, he calls a kid a pussy at one point, and, like, Mm. (laughs) I feel like they say the word dick in that maybe once, you know? And then, like, Guardians of the Galaxy, like, oh, hey, I want to prove I'm not a dick or something. Um, I liked in 3 how they had a fuck. Like, that was a very effective fuck. I don't even remember where it is. Did you see it? I did. It's when he's he's teaching uh, Nebula how to open the car doors with the push. Oh, yeah, get in the fucking car, yeah. Get in the fucking car, yeah. I kind of like it. I I was pretty mixed on that movie. I don't kind of skewing towards disliking it, you know. But uh, I, I thought it was fine. It was nothing. Yeah. special. I mean, speaking speaking yeah. of bad digital effects, like the CG, like Pigman and stuff, and that oof. <laughs> uh, so, um, <laughs> uh, basically, he tells her like, "There's magic inside of you," yeah, and he tells her about the buildings that the witches are in, you know. And so he's like, "Hey, you find the building, you find the witch, you kill the witch, it's all over." I c- Right, I can't help you, but I can, like, give you some information. Right. And so she just gets in a taxi, and is just, yep. like, going around Rome. And she sees she, a bunch of witches, and is and like, like, hey, follow them. I'm gonna follow yeah. those bitches. There's a bunch of chaos and, like, dead bodies littering the street, and, like, the cab driver's just like, oh, mm-hmm, you know, like, driving her around, <laughs> like, just like, okay, I'll pull over here, I'll follow these witches, sure thing, ma'am, you know? Uh, I, I I don't know. Maybe again. Maybe Italy. It's not that crazy to see this stuff every day. I, I'm sure an Italian cab driver has seen some shit. It's an Italian passion, you know. Yeah, right. exactly. Uh, <laughs> so she follows her to the the house. The house is CGI, right? There's something weird about it. Like it doesn't look probably. Right. Yeah. It's not a matte painting, but it's it's yeah, it's one of those things. They do the same thing at the end. Yes, right. Right, when it's getting destroyed, yeah. So she goes into the house, a really long sequence, again, where they're trying to do that Suspiria thing of like, oh, you're exploring this creepy space. It's all one take, Mm -hmm. but it's really boring because nothing happens. She's just like clomping around in the dark and you hear like like glass crunching and stuff like that. It's impressive that it's such a long take, but nothing happens during it. She just like runs into an unhoused guy at the end, you know, and she's like not that scared. She doesn't seem Who like too tense. Seem to have been there since like World yeah. War Two. And again, it's, yes, it's that talk where it's kind of hinting at something to like the darker history of the witches, right? Where he's like, this place was yeah. flourishing. It suddenly was abandoned when the Nazis came to the village and started torturing the village. There were some alchemists or scientists that were right. here for a while, but like they left. It's it's just me now. Yeah, and I don't Are quite you here know to what... interview me. And she just like hands him money. And she's just like, uh, yeah, how long you been here? You know, like, she kind of plays around, plays with it for, like, two seconds. Uh, then she just walks away. The detective grabs her and keeps her from being caught, though, because another henchman comes in, yells at the haunted house guy, being like, you're supposed to, like, let us know when anyone shows up. Uh, they, they get separated. I forget exactly how it happens. Um, my notes here kind of get really dry as I, like, kind of just wanted to be mm-hmm. done. I mean, exactly. She uh, runs into the cop. He's right. like, hey, be quiet. They go and they, it's almost like Indiana Jones, where it's like, oh, here's this thing. Here's the right, secret right. door. Well, it's kind of like Suspiria too, right? Yeah. But right. it's not a puzzle at all. It's literally, I just press the top button, 
the next button, and you just go down the chain of buttons. I feel like them. so. I feel like because and then Suspiria the door opens. Yeah, I feel like because Suspiria and Inferno all take place, mostly take place inside the witch's house. There's a nice air of mystery to the whole movie, where there is a puzzle to figure out to like finding the witch, right? So you got the whole right. like Iris's thing in Suspiria. In Inferno, exactly. it's like, oh hey, there's a key beneath your feet, right? Like it's something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But this one, it's like, no, they solved this puzzle within two seconds of being of like looking at it. So it's yeah, not it's, a puzzle. Yeah. It's just pressing <laughs> buttons, right, in an order that's from top to bottom. I do think that I Ridiculous. do like I do like the look of the catacombs. It looks cheap still, but it still looks better than when they're outside. You know, uh, right. I and I I kind of like this whole climax. I think it's kind of fun. There is something fucked up about it's seeing, fine, but it's yeah, it's like the last ten minutes, right? And it is like such a slog to get to this. Point. Yes, you see the alchemist and his assistant tied up. And uh, they're getting tortured with a spear, which, again, I, I like it. It's fucked up. It's something gross about, like, seeing them, like, slice them on, like all, while they're chained up like that. It is, like, kind of heinous, you know? It's a little, like, saw or hostile you know? Um, yeah. So uh, they bring the cop in. He fights back for a second. He shoots the homeless guy, <laughs> which is a pretty good squib, you know? Um, it's, like, or maybe it's a little digitally, but it's cut fast enough that it was kind of still shocking. They chain him up. They tell yeah. them. They tell him that they're going to eat him alive. Right, which I and like. Then they stab him with the spear. There's a moment earlier where we see him eating Asia. somebody too. Yeah, mm. there is a little like some light cannibalism to this. The monkey finds Asia. Uh, they capture her. Her screams start sounding like the monkey. That felt like it was intentional <laughs> to me. It's like a really high pitched screech, you know. But she manages. Uh, Mother like, tears yeah. has a great line. Who wants to eat the girl? Yes. <laughs> uh, she's giving a speech about how their time is here, right? Uh, Sarah uses the spear to rip the tunic off of her, and she throws it in the fire. Which that's all you got to do. I'm happy with. That's it. But like, I know, and right? I yeah. understand <laughs> like when your favorite tunic has been burned, like you're going to cause an earthquake with your emotions. Right. I guess. I don't understand why that happens. But no. an earthquake happens. I think it's a similar thing to Suspirio. You kill the witch and the whole thing burns up and collapses, right? You but know. They, she does, she's not killing the witch. She's right. just, just burning the, the tunic. tunic. I guess you should destroy and the eventually, like Right. And then eventually the what kills the witch is the earthquake destroying the house and like a giant the pillar well okay before that happened before on the, that on the thing the monkey is like on the ground screeching and looking up and a rock falls and crushes it to death hilarious yeah. and then yes also very funny when a giant rock comes through the floor and impales the mother of tears against the wall i like that stuff a lot that to me is very fun sarah gets dumped into a body of rivers and is still screaming the detective finds her pulls her out to come out of a manhole they're in front of a really shitty CG green screen environment, mm-hmm. and they just start going ha 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 ha, and like laughing hysterically. I couldn't tell. I if do want to go just back. Like, yeah, the weird alleyway of dead body. It looked like pork and beans were just being poured <laughs> on top of her. Continuously. Yeah, gross. Uh-huh. I, right. I, I think so. Yeah. I don't and know if like, they're laughing. Yeah, they're just laughing. I don't know if it's like, oh, laughing because of relief, like, hey, we made it out, or if it's like implying they've been yeah. driven insane. I, I was kind of thinking, are they like driven sure. insane? Like, are they driven mad by this? And then credits, that's um, it, man. That's the end of the trilogy. Well, 
credits and like bad rock music. Yes. Uh, and that's Generic. It, yeah. Heavy metal. Let's get right into final thoughts. And I'm going to start us off. Uh, we're going to rate this. Uh, what do you think? Out of demonic witch monkeys? Exactly what I was going to say. Perfect. Perfect. Let's let's keep going. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't hate this movie. I mean, based on our conversation, obviously, there's a lot to criticize. It often looks like shit and can be pretty boring in parts. Way too many exposition dumps. Way too many, like, really awful, off-putting digital effects. But, you know, when you cut, when you have the practical gore and, like, those girl boss, witch bosses, you know, like, you know, laughing. They are a highlight. I, I menacing, will give you that, yes. <laughs> menacing people in the Rome airport. Like, that's some fun stuff. I love Udo Kier. I think that there is a nice, like, there's nice concepts of this. But it really, most of it lands with a kind of a hysterically bad thud. And so mm-hmm. you're laughing at it a lot. You're bored a lot. But then it's got some highlights here and there. You, I do feel the power of the original Argento magic. It's just under a lot of layers of shit. And so I am giving this 2.6 Demonic Witch Monkeys. Rounding up to 3 for IMD for Letterbox because I feel like I could maybe watch this again at some point, even after watching mm. it twice for this podcast. Like, there's highlights I to think it. it. Minimum, you have to go 2.75 if you're going to round up. Uh, In my opinion. In my opinion. Hmm. 2.7. If you're going to do 2.6, that's a two. That's a two and a half on the letterbox. Hmm. I don't feel like going back to change it, so 2.75, sure. Why not? There you go. You know, All for right. Dario. For Dario. <laughs> for Dario. Yeah. Uh, it feels so uninspired from the previous two. And I don't know if it's just like the bland digital look of it, even though it's shot on film and you have the capabilities. Is it something, do we just need to like go completely different from the previous two? And that's why it looks so off. Like, but you're, you're missing the mood lighting, the scores that give that vibe that like, if these two movies are so discontinued, it originally and that it's the vibe it's the the minor witch characters but it's mainly like these are just vibe movies you can't step away from that you have to like embrace it and actually feed into it yeah even though this one's a bit more cohesive than the other ones it's almost for ultimately forgettable I watched this like three days ago, and I'm so glad I rewatched it. I that <laughs> the forces conspired against us to not yeah. be able to record yesterday, so I could rewatch it because I had already forgotten so many of the scenes of like how everything went. Maybe it's that I'm not a big fan of like the the Italian cinema, uh, horror cinema, I guess specifically. I Shame. love you know Fellini, other things, food. But, like, I've never been a Jalo guy. I'm not a Fulci guy. Like, it's just not a a thing for me. I am um, going to be picking so much more Jalo and Fulci just, I, just to get back at you for this. I I understand. And no, I get it. no like, look, even, I, I, I get with it. with graphic nudity, I'm like, yeah. I, I don't remember anything in this. I do get it. There is a deliberate trashiness to Italian horror cinema sometimes that can be a hard pill to swallow. In addition to, like, 
so much of it is built on vibes. And if you are not vibing with it, then I can totally see not right. loving it. But it's like with me sometimes, like, I don't know. I feel like I get entranced by them. There's something there's something really hypnotic about them. Uh, and this one is not I, that. Suspiria Inferno, yeah. I enjoyed those. Like, I'm probably never going to revisit those. Maybe Inferno, it just, like, seems to be like, man, look at that color. It's gorgeous. I, I highly recommend, but... if you get the chance, I highly recommend seeing Suspiria in a theater. Uh, which I, I've okay. seen because it is it is so beautiful. Uh, it, it's absolutely gorgeous in like every every regard, and uh, it I, it comes alive on a big screen. I'll say like that's that's absolutely the best way to see it. Um, so I, I took <laughs> I took a friend to see it though, and she took an edible like that. I brought I brought edibles for us, and uh, she was so out of her mind during Suspiria. She literally has zero memory of any of that movie. She's like, I don't, I don't, I don't even think I can say I saw it. You know, I can't rate this on Letterboxd. Yeah, um, I, I would have hoped with, I, I would assume this would have been a better budget than either of the two, yeah. even adjusted for inflation. And it's just so sad that a lot of the effects don't work. A lot of the practical ones are really good. We peak early with effects but then it's just all downhill uh you know i love a good demonic witch monkey but it's only gonna be 1.8 demonic mm. witch monkeys sad for me sad so, understandable this isn't a movie yeah. like i like it more than most i feel but it's not what i'm gonna defend you know it's like yeah it's pretty shitty you know it's not great i think i was just expecting something so terrible based on what people say about like dario's later career that i was like kind of pleasantly surprised with some of it you know I'm like, oh, it's not like if a you have low disaster. expectations, it's, yeah, it's hard to you know, it's hard yeah, to exa- kill them. Exactly, exactly. That is the end of three lie. Um, you know, it's, it's been, but Greg, we have one more thing we to do. do. Oh yeah, before the end of three lie. That's right. We got the masses. Time for the masses. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We give awards every month to the movies that we've covered, uh, and this month we have covered all part threes. The Exorcist, Part 3. Return of the Living Dead, Part 3. The Final Conflict, The Omen, Part 3. And Mother of Tears, The Third Mother, Part 3. You know, so before we continue, just listing off the, the titles like that, I feel like we had a run of really great movies for a while with Bug mm-hmm. and uh, was it Altered April before that? Um, yeah. And we we had we were talk, tackling some really great stuff. Yikes on on three lie on a lot of these. Yeah, <laughs> I mean we have a, a, we lead strongly. Yeah, with yeah, Exorcist three, but everything after is is uh, is not great. Uh, and so we're gonna start the way that we start every month: the Claude Daigle Memorial Penmanship Award Scholarship Fund Foundation. Otherwise known as Best Kill. I almost forgot the whole string for a second. I got it in the last moment. Um, I have one that I'm just going to throw out there. Giselle from this movie, Mother nice. of Tears. Very getting nice. disemboweled and strangled with her own yeah. entrails. Hey, look, that's the thing. We both didn't really like this movie. I mean, I kind of liked it, but whatever. But yes, the deaths, uh, I would say... Basically, all of them have a great shot at being selected. I think, oh, man, this is tough. Um, 
the two I am I am split between, or there's three I'm split between, and I'm gonna talk it out in real time. You got uh, Udo Kier's death in this being chopped in the face with a cleaver on the ground. That was on my mind as well. Yes, yeah. uh, sickening, honestly. You got the uh, English ambassadors like Rue Goldberg, you know, suicide, suicide in uh, Omen Three. And then you have the nurse getting killed in Exorcist 3, although you don't exactly see the death on screen, like the scissors, you know? You don't, but you do get the explanation of yeah. her being filled with rosaries, and that's yeah. pretty cool. Good stuff. That was but my, I, like, number two. I think I'm going to have to go with... It's hard not to give it to Dario Argento. He's, he's the... The master of set piece kills. Master you of know? the kill. Yeah. yeah so I'm gonna go Udo Kier. You know, and I, I just I, I'm happy Dario got something. I do like the guy. So you know. All right. Uh, best performance for me. Easy one. We're Run gonna away. go. We're gonna give it. He's not going to accept it, but we're gonna give it to George C. Scott for Lieutenant Kinderman, <sighs> Exorcist Three. A performance so good, like. It really makes you kind of fall in love with the concept of acting. Just like you love seeing him mm-hmm. on screen, you love hearing his voice, you love the humanity he brings to that role. The moments where he like lashes out and then gets emotional, you know, um, like there's just what does he yell in the doc in the the like the head of the hospital's office where he's like it's not, and then he like starts crying afterwards. Like it's like he even tells him to shut up. Yeah, shut up. Like I yeah. feel that's what he's done. And then yeah. he's crying three seconds later, and it's so believable. His tender friendship right. with Father Dyer, like, oh, yeah. so good. It is like it's top tier acting. It really is. It's so fucking good. Um, I was almost gonna like try to you know make an argument for uh, I forget that's not Scott Speedman, but it's Scott something, the guy that plays the the doctor in that one. That kills himself. Oh, right, right. Um, yeah, because he's great. I really like him, but no, it's George C. Scott. It, it's quite amazing. Yeah. Uh, best effect, which is the only one that I didn't have an answer for. It's it's hard. There's quite a few throughout the, the whole thing. I, um, I might have to do the snap zoom in Exorcist 3. Like, that is such oh. an amazing camera effect that along with the the what's happening on the screen but it's just that zoom that gets you into the moment and it's it's after such a long period of staying on the static yeah. shot you know that like uh, it's very jostling i'm going to go a little different route and i'm going to say it's uh julie's costume from return to living dead 3 Worn by okay. Melinda Clark, because yes. I, I I think like um, in in a in a movie I that is about just that too. yeah in a movie that is just a sea of disappointment, like that was really striking to me when she steps out in in the full regalia with the the pierced breasts exposed, you're like holy shit like this really is iconic, and what do they call it in the book? You you said it was um a specific term that they used uh for the costume yeah was it like the it wasn't the bride of frankenstein look but it was i remember in that episode you you had a a very specific term they used oh i don't remember now yeah you're right i did i I can but i don't remember (laughs) 
Yeah, but it's great. I just I I, remember, uh, I dropped the fact that the, yeah. the the breasts are apparently Leona Quigley's breasts, which is a fun detail. Um, yes, it, it yeah, looks so good, nice. and like all the close ups they show of like her even putting it on, like driving the glass into her skin and stuff. That that stuff looks fantastic, and then it's it is really stunning when she comes out like that. You're like, oh, it's disturbing and sexy and like fucked up. Like it's it's really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, you see where they put their money. Yeah, I, I want to be fair. I want to be as fair fact. as I can to that movie. You know, I'm gonna give it something. I'm gonna yeah. give it a massive. <laughs> All right, uh, massacre of the month, and for me, this is one of the easiest ones. We're gonna talk about the little baby boys that get murdered. In yeah, that's the, mine too. The final conflict, Omen yeah. Three. The great baby massacre of uh, 19, <laughs> 1980. Yeah. It's not, again. It's not clear when the movie takes place exactly, but uh, yes. The, but that's it, man. Like it is. It's kind of strange, and the way they, they they show some restraint to it, which only kind of makes it a little more disturbing. You know, mm-hmm. like you don't see babies die on screen. You just see a nurse turn a machine off. You know, like turn an incubator off or something. Like you, you know, see you have a like the carriage yeah. get hit by a car, and there's yes. some blood. But, you have like, the, but yeah, you never actually see. Do you have like the confused look of the mother in the church when the priest is like mm-hmm. quote unquote baptizing the baby? Like it's it is well done. Yeah, the closest thing we get is the hallucination of <laughs> the mummy baby, uh, Don Clark's. Yeah, yes. it has the like the weird ashy gray uh-huh. mu- uh, baby face. Right. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, great stuff. And for our seasonal award, we are going to go what is the ultimate example of a part three. Yeah. What is going to cap that trilogy? Mm-hmm. We, we've discussed, yeah, we discussed over the course of this month, like, what makes a good part three? What do you want to see out of a part three? You know? And I feel like the one that fits the bill for me is Omen 3. Because the end of Omen 1 promises you this kid is going to get into politics and bring about the right. end of the world. Right. And Omen 3, that's kind of sort of what you get. You know, you see him on the world stage, essentially. Like he's the leader of this industry. Yeah, exactly. With him being so much older instead of being six and then 12 or whatever, you get 32 year old. Yeah, but it is building on the past two movies. It's not ignoring a middle chapter because it wasn't well received. You know what I mean? It's like. In part two, we establish he's going to get into thorn industries. They're going to get into agriculture. They're going to get into all this, all these things. And this is building off of those in that way. You know, I would say right. like Exorcist three is a great movie, but it's could have been part two. It's a completely ignoring Exorcist two. It's it's a course correction like we've been talking about. You know, uh, Return to Living Dead three not really anything to do with two kind of going off a of one but not really you know deliberately like avoiding like things set up in that movie uh and then mother of tears is connected but it feels like it's connected to two movies that aren't really connected to each other that well anyway you know mm-hmm. yeah so like in your traditional structure of like storytelling i would say omen three fits the bill best i'm actually gonna go with return of the living dead three i think it's enough of a departure from what we've been seeing, uh, that it's trying to be a love story, I think is 
is uh, a very interesting take on what we've seen before because there is some romance yeah. in in w- mainly one two has a little bit with bobby briggs and then whatever that girl's yeah. name was but uh you know that's kind of the emotional core of the movie is a guy and his girlfriend right. and not wanting to accept when an a relationship is failing failed is not going to be there anymore from either yeah. you know uh, the way a person has changed, or if they're actually no longer breathing, is is a change in a relationship. So I think it it had the potential, it had the right idea for what it was it was wanting to be. Uh, just right. the execution was was very poor. Yeah, with that like movie. I get I get what you're saying because it's like we talked about the different types of part threes. Like you have either like the course correction or the deviation. You know. Mm-hmm. And that is a good example of the deviation. It's like, hey, nope, we're not doing any more of the cartoony humor. You know, we're getting serious with it. And, like, uh, it doesn't pay off for that movie. But plenty of franchises have had, have had success. Well, in my eyes. Right. Uh, I was going to use we're, Halloween. We're going almost melodramatic. Yeah. yeah. Hey, two different times, the Halloween series capped off a trilogy with a very different part three that, for me, works both Halloween 3 and Halloween <laughs> Ends are big deviations from what came before. And in my eyes, both of them work. So, you know. I get, yeah, I don't know. I I should probably rewatch Halloween Ends. I'll try to be objective yeah. as I can be, but we'll see. Well, that's the end of 3 Lie. Uh, may, will there be a 4 Lie? We'll just have to, mm, you know, stay tuned yeah. to find out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Greg, we have a new theme to say we do very excited august we're gonna get a little supernatural with august (laughs) movies about ghosts and we Uh. are gonna start with uh, a little known movie called the frighteners directed by peter jackson in 1996 uh i believe i'm correct and this was his first american movie Big budget American movie starring uh, some guy. I don't know if you've heard of him. It's called Michael J. Fox. Oh, I, I don't think I even right. knew he was in this. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also I almost got his name wrong. Uh, Jeffrey Combs. Yeah. And is in this. Jake Busey. Is that right? Jake Busey. Ooh, correct. That, that's exciting. And someone who kind of looks who like Andy McDowell, but is not <laughs> Andy McDowell. Okay, great. Can't wait. (laughs) But until next time, please remember to rate, review, subscribe anywhere you get this podcast. We have email, weeklypodcastmassacre at gmail.com. Twitter, we're not using as much, uh, but Instagram and both threads are at weeklymassacre. We are also on the letterbox. You are GAnderson19. I am Murfinturf. So hit us up. Let us know. If you know an alchemist who needs an assistant, if you have a favorite tunic, (laughs) or if you need 20 drops of medicine in your water every day, please let us know. Exactly. Or if you and all your favorite gal pals love to just, like, terrorize the airport, you know, when you're (laughs) off time. Yeah. (laughs) And as always, usually I have one exorcism a month. (laughs) De Silva, God rest his soul, was a fucking gorilla and he was armed. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.